Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. And so, the revolt begins. Archaeus, we have finally come to the beginning of the tale proper, with the forces of Clan McEwen setting sail from the island for the harbour of Winwood for a surprise attack on the Clan Macarno. But, uh, why there? Who were the Macarnos? And, uh, what about Macdes? Well, one thing I can't overstate about we Albionites is this. We are constantly fighting amongst ourselves. Infighting between clans, even those of the same tribe, is as natural to us as breathing. Ach, fighting between family members around the dinner table most even tides, likewise, comes just as natural to us. Anyhow, the McEwans had long been rivals of the Macarnos, with both clashing over such things as uh, fishing waters, as well as raiding each other's cattle, and also having had many family members on both sides killed in numerous duels. But... What drove the McEwans to Winwood on that particular day was a recent incident perpetrated by yet another rival clan that had so incensed Julia McEwen, the clan Laird, and her rest of her clan, that they were out for blood. Oh, yeah. My goodness, it must have been a uh, heinous act. Who was it, and what did they do? Ach, did it was. The perpetrators were the clan grievant, who also bore no love for the McEwans. A gang of young grievance had uh, rode out to the uh, McEwen castle on McEwen Island with buckets of red tar paint. Yeah, um, I know what tar is and I know what paint is, but what is this uh, tar paint? Ach, well, it's made from flaxseed oil, crushed red ochre and animal bone. It's really hard to shift once it's dried. And it also gets used on a lot of ships and boats, as it's so tough. Oh, yeah. I see. Uh, but my apologies, Master Alchemist. I interrupted your story. Ah, not a problem. Anyhow, it's what they wrote that did the real damage, not what they wrote it with. They, uh, they daubed. Oh, now, how do you say this in Reichspiel? Well, something like, um, uh... Wimpish McCumans put sugar on the porridge, I suppose is the best translation. Oh, by Ulvik's beard. That is an unforgivable crime. In Nordland, insinuating such a thing is tantamount to requesting a duel to the death. The only thing any Nordlander would mix with their porridge is salt. Or, if times are hard, perhaps uh, sawdust. Exactly. And they wrote it in giant man-sized letters across the side of McEwen's castle. The McEwen's had a hell of a time to get rid of it, I can tell you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the shame, the... Oh, Master Tavernkeeper, what, what, what is wrong? Ah, actually, I always put sugar on my porridge. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I see... But uh, you are from Karlberg, and uh, such things are to be expected of uh, Middenlanders. Don't worry, you are forgiven. 
<laughs> you are most generous, O oh noble knight. But I will try it without tomorrow. I was unaware it was so frowned upon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's not delicious, but it is for black teased children. Not for big, strong men and women. Ah, I see. Well, my stock of sugar is low anyway, what with the occupation and all. But I think that's enough talk about uh, porridge. Cedric, won't you please return to your retelling? Oh, of course. Well, with vengeance burning in their guts, Julia McEwman led her clan against both of their rivals on this most auspicious day. Much like the annual games of Og Agog, the Macarnos and the Grievements too held the games day near the uh, Macarno village of Winwood on exactly the same day each and every year. And it was on this very day that the McEwmans intended to strike, hitting two birds with a single stone. Ah, I see. Finally. The reasoning behind the first act was never fully explained in the theatrical version, and it always left me scratching my head as to why they were there at all. Oh, really? Well, there's more. Now, the games actually took place out on a field away from the village itself, which always left the harbour there completely deserted. This meant that the boats and coracles of the McEwmans could land undetected on the waterfront and would be able to enter Windward unopposed. Another contributing factor to the way things happened that day was the fact that it was uh, quite common for the games between the Grievance and the Macarnos to descend into outright fighting. This led to a rule being imposed on Games Day. It became traditional for both clans to uh, put all of their weapons under lock and key, an old storehouse in the village for the entire duration of the games, with the two clan lairds, Kit Macarno and Richard Gravent, holding onto the keys. It was this that was the primary reason that uh, Julia McEwman had chosen this particular day to attack. Not only were both her enemies in one place, but both would be unarmed. But uh, why? If she wanted to depose Macdes, why did she risk bleeding away her forces on this, this, uh, this vendetta, even if the odds were in her favour? Ach, no. The answer to that question is simple. Clan politics. Simply being the head of a clan is not enough to ensure that you will continue to be so until the end of your life. Clan lairds, as part of their daily routine, invariably have to take all sorts of abuse from rivals and relatives, with the loudest voices coming from people who will never understand why the laird does not simply use their uh, supposedly great power to make everyone behave. Although, the reason is this, of course. A clan laird would never rule for long in Albion if they did act that way. There's too much uh, individualism amongst the common folk, you see. Instead, clan lairds have to spend all their time flattering detractors, drinking with and uh, dodging the dirks of rival lairds, and kicking clansmen to get them to do what they're supposed to be doing anyway. But uh, one thing that will invariably bring a clan together is if they have a common cause against a common foe. Thus, in order to get her clan to follow her in her personal quest against Macduff, she needed to uh, wet the unruly bloodlust in her own ranks with a bit of vengeance and killing. After bloodily settling not one but two scores in a single swipe of her mace, 
She'd have a much easier time of it with her underlings afterwards. Ah, yeah, yeah, I see. It is as the old adage goes. Friends that kill together stay together. Oh, well, that might be true. But there was another reason. The village of Winwood sat on a small peninsula that was dominated by the eastern reaches of the treacherous forest of Hagmar, apart from a few uh, carefully tended orchards to the north there, that is. Only a single road led inland from the village of Winwood itself. This road first head out past the place where the games were being held, off to the east, before turning south over the hills on the isthmus towards the mainland. It then curved up directly towards the distant mountains where our castle runs the name, the seat of power of Macduff, stood. It was a long and winding road that cut across East Albion, but the ground was solid and avoided numerous bogs and fens out that way, and thus was the fastest route from the coast to the castle, if a little uh, circuitous, that is. Ah, I see. But let's get to it, Cedric. What actually happened at Winwood? I'm interested to see how the uh, reality compares to the version performed on the stage. Ah, I see. Right then. Well, let's dive in. The boats of Clamacumen rode into the deep water sea cove near the village around noon, coming right onto the waterfront and mooring alongside the fishing boats of the Macarnos. As expected, the few dwellings, the storehouse and the inn were all but deserted. What do you mean, all but? Oh, indeed. Everyone was up at the field to the north, participating in the games themselves and, uh, drinking themselves silly on bottles of Albionite whiskey beer or uh, aquavitae, as they say here in Tilia. And yes, I know you like to say Tilia in your empire there. Anyhow, everyone was there. Everyone except the uh, stout innkeeper, old uh, Frangan Macarno, that is, who was uh, busy preparing the feast for the uh, evening's festivities. Ach, now, it's probably worth mentioning a couple more things while I'm off at a tangent anyhow. Hmm. Firstly, the field where the games were being held itself was surrounded by a tall hedge, and so uh, none of the competitors could see the village itself. And secondly, there were uh, two unusual feats that competitors participated in each year that would have a bearing on the battle to come. One was caber-tossing, and the other was shot-putting. Oh, yeah, I am uh, unfamiliar with these. What are they? Well, shot-putting uses round stone balls that you put in the crook of your neck, run up, and then toss as far as you can. Cables, on the other hand, are tall tree trunks with all the branches cut off that, again, you run up with and then toss as far as you can. Truth be told, there's a lot of tossing in general that goes on in East Albion, which has uh, led to some unflattering nicknames being given to the locals there. But uh, that's not worth getting into now. So, by the time the McEwmans were rowing to shore, the day had already descended into a furious argument between the two sides. The grievance were accusing the Macarnos of shaving the cavers to make them go further, and the Macarnos were accusing the grievance 
of wearing uh, supportive garments under their kilts to keep them warm. You're not supposed to wear anything under your kilt, you see. It defeats the point of the thing. You may as well wear uh, trousers if you're going to hitch up your kilt to whip off your silky uh, underthings every time you want to relieve yourself. Anyhow, the short of it was that the uh, blood was running hot on both sides and hands were beginning to reach towards the large pile of empty bottles by the side of the field. But it was into the pregnant silent standoff the two clans angrily facing off against each other that the distant screaming voice of Frangan, the innkeeper came the macumans the she-dog beware the macumans are coming and with that the fighting began although slaughter might be a better way of putting it Seeing his ancient enemies, the clan laird, Kit Makarno, ordered any of his men who had not already done so to arm themselves with broken bottles and move back towards the village, ignoring the grievance. This so incensed Richard Grievant that he immediately ordered his clan to attack the Makarnos. Some tossed cabers in their uh, general direction, knocking over half of the Makarnos off their feet and breaking numerous legs, whilst a couple of others caved in the skull of some of the clansmen with shot putts. At the very same moment, around 40 clansmen stormed out of the village, led by the huge, fear-inspiring, death-dealing Fergus McEwman. What? Fergus too was a real man, but in the play he was described as an eight-foot brute. Ah, oh, well, I don't know if he was quite that tall, but he wasn't far off. He definitely towered over your average Albionite. Anyhow, he, Julia, her bodyguard, Hugo Yorickson, and about ten clansmen crashed into the half-dozen remaining Macarnos and their laird, Kit, whilst the other thirty clansmen surrounded the dozen or so grievance that were left. The three McEwmans attacked Kit Macarno as one, Fergus striking the clan laird from above with his giant sword, as Yorickson hacked out his legs from under him with his double-handed axe. This left him uh, bleeding out from his kneecaps on the sodden ground. It's then up to Julia to finish him off. She hesitated not a moment and, with a vicious howl, embedded her mace in his face. The other clansmen then hacked down the half-dozen Macarnos who were still standing before joining Fergus, Yorkson and Julia in plunging their weapons into the prone Macarnos who'd been laid low by the grievance cabers. Meanwhile, the grievance found themselves encircled by the remaining McEwman clansmen and outnumbered almost three to one. They brandished their broken bottles with menace, but the McEwmans simply smashed them out of their hands with their shields before thrusting their swords in deep, butchering the upstarts like a pack of wolves descending on a bewildered lamb. The bloodbath was quick, hot, and very messy. Once it finished, Fergus stood, a red, blood-splattered giant, pulled out a bag of sugar he'd especially brought with him, and tipped it over the bodies of the dead men, declaring, Enjoy your sugar! You've found an artsy borp. 
pots. If it's this sweet for you, I'm sure the boys will be happy to give you a gallon of pish to wash it down. And with that, the clansmen relieved themselves over their fallen foes. By the dark maiden, the truth of it is a lot bloodier than the stage version. I'd still beware of using her name in vain, Master Tavern Keeper, but perhaps it's appropriate this time. Anyhow, Albion is not a place for the weak-hearted, and things are only going to get a lot bloodier from here on in as we journey towards the castle of Macduff.